Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you tuned into our program today, and especially and particularly in this hour. Uh, two conversations in this hour on the backside of uh, this hour. NYPD veteran Edwin Raymond on his new book, An Inconvenient Cop, My Fight to Change Policing in America. We'll be joined by Edwin Raymond in studio here in about 25 minutes um, for that conversation on the B-side. But we commence this hour with this. It turns out that there are several dozen bird names that are categorically racist and offensive, which the American Ornithological Society has decided to change. Uh, Joined now by Jason Hall, founder of the In Color Birding Club, to talk about how these racist bird names came to be in the first place and what changing them now really means. I'm delighted to have Jason Hall on this program. Jason, how are you today, sir? I'm very good, sir. How are you? Man, if I complain, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing well and delighted to, to have you on the program. Let me, let me just jump right in. I want to start first, though, with uh, the In Color Birding Club. Uh, tell me about the In Color Birding Club, what it is, and what y'all do. Yes, sir. Um, so the In Color Birding Club is a club geared towards getting black and brown folks out into nature specifically in the activity of birding or bird watching. Um, we were founded in 2021 and, and worked to achieve our nonprofit status in 2022. And we were really founded after the events with uh, Christian Cooper in Central Park, where he was accosted by a woman who used the police as a threat against his life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, uh, led us into Black Birders Week, the first one in 2020. And then we started the club after that in 2021 to try and get folks in Philadelphia out into nature. Mm-hmm. Tell me about bird watching. Uh, we all know that story famously uh, of Christian Cooper. Um, you you, you uh, teed it up quite nicely. We all saw that and just were, uh, uh, you know, found it to be abhorrent the ways in which he was subjected to that sort of um, white racism, that white vitriol that was caught on, yeah. uh, that, that, that everybody saw and heard. Um, so you were founded after that. I hear, I, I hear the, 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 the narrative and the genesis of how you came to be. But tell me about bird watching. What, 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 what the, 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 yeah. the, the novelty of it, the joy of it, the, the, the tranquility, yeah. the solitude of it. Tell me something about bird watching that I don't understand or know. Oh man, uh, I hope you have all day. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's uh, you know it's 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 really being connected to nature and the birds being a litmus test or the indication of what's going on around you, mm-hmm. right? And I and I think what we find in our communities when we take folks out is that um, you know there are in Philadelphia there are somewhere in the in the range of 300 to 320 different bird species that pass through this city every year mm-hmm. right and a lot of folks are totally oblivious to it so when we take them out and we put those binoculars to their face and they get that intimate view of that northern cardinal or that uh, mockingbird or blue jay or eagle or hawk it creates a connection with them between their environment and, and everything else that is happening in their life, right? So a park that they may have gone to their entire lives for barbecues and sports and otherwise now is a place that holds nature that they have access to. So it's a very joyful activity. We pride ourselves on being joyful in it rather than some of the historic ways bird watching has happened where it's a very kind of hush-hush old white man activity. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very much like if you see something that makes you happy, you can dance, you can high five, you can rejoice, you can find fellowship with friends. 
we really find that people become more connected to the activity of birding if they do it around other safe and joyful people from their from their own community. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's been uh, longstanding, of course, that black people have enjoyed nature uh, and mm-hmm. uh, being out in it. No question about that. But to your point about it being a birding, being sort of a hush-hush, uh, a hush-hush old white man activity, when did black folk get into birding, get into birds? Again, the nature thing mm-hmm. I get, but tell me more about black folk and birding. Well, you know what? It, there, there's not a lot of us, but there are way more than you would think. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you when we started doing it, um, but I can tell you in 2020 when we had the first Black Birders Week, uh, which is late May, early June, mm-hmm. that was all virtual. And I found myself many days almost in tears at the faces that I was seeing on what was then Twitter and now Facebook, mm-hmm. of other black birders across the country that have been doing it for a long time and existing in those spaces for the last 30, 40 years, assuming we all were the exception to the rule, mm. right? And then now looking around and saying, oh, there's, there, there's a whole community in Chicago, in L.A., in New York, in, in, in Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been out observing these things in nature for quite some time. Matter of fact, there are some historical references to our understanding of nature and birds um, during, during, during the time that our ancestors were enslaved. They were things that our enslaved ancestors needed to understand around the land that they were working, right? A lot of that included birds, mm-hmm. um, in particular the, uh, the bobolink, which is a, a, a blackbird with a, a white uh, second half of its head and enslaved folks. Um, were made to go out and essentially kill this bird in the rice fields because it was eating the rice. Mm. And it's a really interesting story because folks had to understand what the bird was, what it was doing, how to keep it off the property. And in doing so, folks actually contributed to the, the downfall of that species in terms of its, of its numbers, right? And, it, and it's a really tough story mm-hmm. because you realize these enslaved folks that <laughs> – do not want to be there themselves and are there under 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 no choice of their own yeah. are now being made to cause harm to this other no. beautiful indigenous species. I, I right? saw I saw you go on there. They didn't want to be there themselves. And here they are offing, as it were, uh, annihilating another species. I, I, I saw that coming. Uh, it's a brilliant parallel. Um, more of this conversation with Jason Holm as we talk about these several dozen bird names that have been deemed categorically racist and offensive, which the American Ornithological Society has finally decided to change. Fascinating story. More of it when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Smart talk for curious people just like you. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. 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 All right, Jason Hall, I appreciate you taking my questions and helping us to better understand uh, black folk and birding. And I love and I wasn't surprised really by your response. Didn't know you were going there. But it is always amazing to me when I have guests on this program, which happens more than you would think. And you ask some question about the here and the now, and there's always some link back to slavery, back to segregation. It just goes to show you um, the ways in which black folk have been impactful uh, and engaged and involved um, for time eternal. So I I didn't know that story was going to that question was going to take us back to slavery. But but I hear it. And I'm glad you I'm glad I'm glad you shared it. Uh, Let me come forward now to 2023 
and asked you to tell us about these several dozen bird names that have been deemed categorically racist and offensive uh, and, and how these racist names were given to these birds in the first place. Yeah, so let me let me start with the second question. Sure, so, sure, sure. As you can imagine, as you can imagine, like many things, the racist names were given to the birds by colonizers that came to this country and found themselves, quote unquote, discovering these species, right, in which the indigenous people already knew about. Um, and what happened was whether it was because um, the original ornithologist discovered the bird and documented it or sometimes they discovered the bird and they decided to name it for their friend, right? Mm -hmm. Who had nothing to do with it, right? Um, in many cases, you found that um, as we, as the country expanded west, a lot of the soldiers that were out removing indigenous peoples from their lands and participating in genocide were also scientists. They were also ornithologists, and they would collect these bird species and log them into, you know, the scientific field and then name them. And that's how a lot of these names came to be historically, right? Mm -hmm. The majority of them in the 19th century. Mm. And so what happened was in the, in the 19th century, the American Ornitholo Ornithological Union, which then became the American Ornithological Society, started to codify these things. Um, and they became the vernacular that is used, the English bird name, by scientists, schools, writers, artists, you know, all across the board. And they kind of became the de facto authority on the English bird name. Mm -hmm. So I know the audience is waiting with bated breath. What kinds of names? Uh, I said several <laughs> dozen. We we ain't got time to run through several dozen. Yeah. Uh, but 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 pick a few of them and 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 share sure. with us and and give me the backstory on these names to the extent you can. We got a few minutes, so so pick a few and let's roll through them. Sure, sir. Sure. So let me start with the most famous one, Audubon. Most of us have heard of the Audubon Society as one of the preeminent bird conservation organizations in the country. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, John, John J. Audubon participated in grave robbery in order to prove uh, that folks of black and brown descent were less than, right? He participated in those experiments to prop up the white man. And he did this all in parallel with uh, his bird study. So he used the same tools he did to classify birds in order to classify black and brown people as less than. Mm. And some, and you know, he, he has a couple birds named after him, if not the, the majority of the organization, right? So Audubon's Shearwater, Audubon's Oriole, right? So these are, these are other things that when folks that are not of European descent go out and participate in the activity, they have to say these things and know that the history of this person they are honoring is not someone that would have allowed us to go birding with them in the first place. Mm. You know, um, I'll give you another one. Um, John Bachman, this is a, a Lutheran pastor in the 19th century. And, and, and he has a, a sparrow named after him that's found in the pine forest of North and South Carolina. Beautiful, beautiful bird. Mm -hmm. Let me read you this quote, if I may. Mm -hmm. This is what the Lutheran pastor said about us. That the Negro will remain as he is, unless his form is changed by an amalgamation, which latter is revolting to us. And this is Mr. Bachman comparing us to cattle. That his intellect, although underrated, is greatly inferior to that of the Caucasian, and that he is, therefore, as far as our experience goes, incapable of self-government. 
that was how this person who this sparrow is named after that I thoroughly enjoyed saw me and my descendants. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, there are others. Many. Uh, the, the most famous one recently was McCown, who was a general in the Confederate Army um, that participated in the genocide of black and brown folks. Um, and one is, was one of the most abhorrent uh, uh, folks to ever have a bird named after them. And, and they have actually changed that name. They said it used to be McCown's Longspur, mm-hmm. which is a bird that lives in the grasslands of the middle part of the country and is now called the thick build longspur. Mm-hmm. So the AOS made that decision to change that one because it was so grossly offensive. But in doing so, they led themselves down this path of, okay, there are others now, right? And we need to change some of those, some of those names about 152 to start. Mm. Um, let me ask this question. Um, how then do I read that this is happening now and how do I read that the American Ornithological Society has actually stepped up and decided to change these names? Before you answer the latter or the former question, let me let me let me just um, add this. I was thinking as you were talking about all the things and, and maybe all is too strong a word that there are certainly some things that we see changing on this side uh, of the murder of George Floyd. I don't know if we can peg everything mm-hmm. to the murder of George mm-hmm. Floyd, but, 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 but black folk made it mm-hmm. very clear after that murder that enough is enough. And in all kinds mm-hmm. of industries and human endeavors, people just express themselves and, 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 and the pressure uh, built. Now, in some ways, we see that pressure starting to, to wane. Uh, a lot of corporations that made commitments they were going to do better by lied. They haven't done better right. by those commitments they made after George Floyd. But there are things, though, that have, in fact, changed. I'm thinking now of certain illnesses and diseases. Monkeypox, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there are folk mm-hmm. in positions of authority who've decided to change the names of certain diseases because they had racial overtones uh, to them. Mm-hmm. And now here we have the mm-hmm. American Ornith- Ornithological Society, easy for me to say, right, deciding to change <laughs> the names of these several dozen birds that are categorically racist and offensive. So again, my two questions are, why now? I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad about it, but why now? And what do we make of the fact mm-hmm. that, this, that this organization, this society, has decided to step up and do the right thing, as it were? Mm. So, um, this has been a few years coming. Okay. Since since, since the murder of George Floyd and that same summer, having, having watched what happened with Christian Cooper, right. which could have resulted in just as a, as a, as a, as a horrifying uh, loss of someone, right? Um, what happened was a lot of us black and brown birders, as well as our allies, mm-hmm. really started to have a conversation about what it meant to exist in this space, right? To be out in nature observing birds as scientists, as, as, as citizens, right? Um, and so what came out of that is a, an organization called Bird Names for Birds uh, that was founded by Jordan Rutter over, over at the American Bird Conservancy. And they wrote a letter to the American Ornithological Society requesting that they evaluate changing these names because the society as a whole was starting to open these things up and uncover them, mm-hmm. right, in mm-hmm. all kinds of different spaces. And so even though... George Floyd had nothing to do with birding that we are aware of. Mm-hmm. The same tenets of of discrimination and lack of access to different things were there in the birding community. So that was what started the discussion. And initially there was a lot of pushback. Well, the AOS after a lot of a lot of community pressure formed this committee 
the English Bird Names Committee. It was an ad hoc committee, a committee of men, women, black and brown folks, naturalists, scientists. Um, and they met like biweekly for almost two years to come up with like a 30 plus page proposal on what should be done with these names. So the, the impetus was that summer of the 2020. Right, mm-hmm. which which we're going to link to a lot of things we'll find as we as we work through our lives, but it took the work of these you know ten plus people on this ad hoc committee to come up with a really sound suggestion to the American Ornithological Society, um, and and give them a pathway to do this. Mm-hmm. Right, so so what what we should take from it is that it's good, right? It is a step in the right direction. Um, it is overdue. They didn't need to form a society, a, a ad hoc committee to tell them to do this, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But I'm happy they did because now we have it down in writing. And 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 the 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 the, the 32 page proposal from the ad hoc committee is so detailed on why they chose every step that really nobody can argue against it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm so, fast. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. And finish. I'm finish. Finish this. I'm sorry. Oh no no. So 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 I was just saying so. The only name that's changed so far is McCown's Longspur now being Thick-Billed Longspur. There's mm-hmm. still 152 names to change. Mm-hmm. So what we have to take from this is what they've agreed to do is form a committee, change the names, and have public input. So we need to make sure that our communities are aware that their input can be, can be taken and used to guide the new names of these, of these birds. And, and because, just because I'm curious, uh, what are the chances that – any of these birds that are now being renamed might end up with some, some black names. <laughs> well, what they're going to do is they're going to, they're going to stay away from any names honoring any people. Okay. Right. Because what happened was you got the list of 152. Some are very obviously not, not good people. Right. Mm-hmm. Other ones are to, to, to our knowledge, they had nothing wrong with them. The problem is, you can't sit down and have a committee that's deciding who was good enough and who was not good enough to have a bird named after them. So they've decided all English names that are eponyms or named after a person directly are going to be wiped away and a new name is going to be in. The good thing with the community involvement is that we now will have an opportunity to bring back those indigenous names for the birds of the people that were here well well before the colonialists arrived and maybe get some of those in place. And they've already been circulating uh, across the country in different forms, which is really beautiful to see. Yep. And and uh, what can you tell me to the extent you know about how, uh, for example, the Audubon Society? Again, I'm not even I'm not a birder uh, as such, uh, mm-hmm. but I've been around long enough and done enough uh, research and work as a, as a broadcaster to know uh, about the work of the Audubon Society. Um, so I, I'm certainly familiar with with their with their work and their and their legacy. What kind of embarrassment? What kind of uh, uh, how have they responded to this sort of outing, as it were? Well, uh, I don't think they really have a choice, number one, right? Because they don't get to decide these bird names. Right. The, the, the issue with the Audubon Society is that they had an opportunity early in this process to work on changing their own name, right? And they, they chose not to. Mm-hmm. It was a very clear decision earlier this year. Um, they cited their traditions and their stability, which essentially just said, we want our donor dollars from our old white people to keep coming in. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we don't want to invest in the future of opening bird conservation and birding to other people. That's essentially what they said. So a lot of local Audubon organizations have already gone and changed their name. 
right, which is great. It's happening. Every month we hear of a new organization across the country that is now called a bird alliance or an uh, outdoor club or something. So people are taking notice. It's moving slowly like many things on this front, but it is all moving in the right direction. And I would encourage folks, if they're going to donate money to bird organizations, to choose the ones that have acknowledged the history of these names, of Audubon in particular, and those that are moving to change it. In the 90 seconds I have left, uh, Jason Hall, if, if I were, if I am black, and certainly I am, <laughs> but if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm mm-hmm. black and, and I, I'm, I'm curious about this and, and want to decide uh, whether or not I want to be a black birder, like how does that process begin? What, uh-huh. do, I, what do I do? Go buy me a pair of binoculars? I mean, well, what, what, what do I do first? Yeah. Yeah. You want to you find yourself a pair of binoculars that doesn't cost more than $100. Right. Right. You want to find a cheap bird guide, a used one on Amazon or otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Um, nope, no more than 15, 20 bucks for one of those, mm-hmm. right? You want to find your local parks and, and you want to go there and you want to make sure you're in a place that where you feel safe and comfortable and you want to just start looking around. Mm-hmm. You, want to, you want to start asking questions. You want to be curious. If you are fortunate enough to live in a city that has an organization, you can do that. In Philly, it's In Color Birding Club. Chicago has a Chicago BIPOC Birders Club. There's the Oxnard Birders Club in, in Southern California. There's the, the BIPOC Birders of Wisconsin, right, up there in the uh, Great Lakes region, right? There's the Feminist Bird Club that does a lot of work in black and brown communities, All mm-hmm. and they have chapters all across the country. So you want to try to find an organization in your area um, where you can go meet like-minded folks. Yeah. But at the very least, once you pick those binoculars up and you look at a bird, and it brings you some joy, or maybe it brings you a question to your mind that you want to go get answered, yeah. you are now a birder. I love it. I love it. Uh, I, I, I'm glad I asked that question. I'm glad you answered it in such great detail. I don't know why this song just popped in my head. I'm not a black birder, not as yet, but I know his eye is on the sparrow, uh, and he watches me. Uh, Jason Hall, thank you, man, for that insight. I enjoyed that immensely. All the best to you, sir. You too, sir. Thank you very much. Good to have you on. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward.